Mic check one two one two. What's up, Apple's up? <laughs> what it do? <laughs> I have a fine specimen of a man who's joining us today. I might have married him. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't hear him laughing. He doesn't find you funny at all. <laughs> so we got Dylan on. Oh, here. Yeah. We got Dylan on today with us. Why is it Dylan? Okay. <laughs> I'm having malfunctioning problems over here. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Um, anyway, so my hubby is here with us today. Want to say hi? What's up? Is Dylan on the mic? You're such a God, he's, he's so <laughs> I was like, wow, he's so much cooler than I am. <laughs> so I asked him. I knew he was going to be around today. So I was like, hey, you want to join You know, our podcast? He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure why not uh, okay take it first then. Yeah. so i was like you know asking i was like was there anything that you you know i was like we have pock you know um shit you did you hear what i just said i, don't know. Uh, <laughs> I heard you we have stored podcast ideas but i was like i don't know if there'd be anything that you would be interested in so if there's something that you want to talk about let me know anyway so we came to the conclusion that he was going to share his story of um, a time that he was in alabama working um yeah first i want to say before i hand him over the mic so he can share his experience i want to say thank you stacy for creating us some social media i know we haven't got there our content is not out but it started we've got us an instagram we've got us a facebook we got us a twitter <laughs> i know stacy's getting it in Get it. <laughs> that's that's right i'm so glad and a, yeah and a, a yahoo we got an email address too so you can email us as well um i'm yeah. so glad you said that because i already would have forgotten to mention it but we can mention it again um right before we get off and i will do uh, a, a good job at trying to get all our content up this week uh, maybe into next week so. you know what i just realized I, we i never told you about the class that i took the podcast I meant to ask you about that. Yeah, so oh AP took a, uh, I'm AP have to took a podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you while you're... Oh, that's, so, that's the only thing that's annoying about this. If anybody, when you're listening, if we if if we both are talking, the, the app we use to do this podcast is going to cut one of us out. And, you know, it's so hard because you both start talking and then you both stop at the same time. Like, we try not to do that to each other, but when you hear that happen, it's it's the app we use. And there's nothing we can do about it um, I've looked into different apps and different uh, different uh, things that we can use, different platforms even, and they all do the same thing. Skype does the same thing. Uh, there's another one called like Zenith or something like that. It does the same thing. I have yet to find any that doesn't. So if anybody listening has any insight into that, we would happily uh, look into it. But we, we try really hard not to let that happen. So when it does, eh, it's really nothing we can do about it. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, what you were... Uh, uh, AT had told me, uh, anybody listening had, she'd sent me this message and it said like, Hey, you know, there's this, um, there's this thing we can go to, like it was online, um, podcast, kind of like little class we can do. It's free. And she'll tell us all about how she did her podcast, give some tips and some pointers and things like that. And I was like, Oh, cool. And then I looked at it and I said, uh, see that's at eight o'clock at night and Stacy's in bed at eight o'clock at night <laughs> I am a useless human being after say seven at night until like like once summer hits and the days are really long and the the sun is out until like eight or nine o'clock like I'm good then I can stay up later but I'm telling you in these like winter months and when we have daylight savings time in effect I'm a useless human being and she now has mercilessly begun to mock me like at nighttime I'll send her a message and she's like it's 99 times stay stay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like why are you trying to be grown go to bed <laughs> <laughs> she lives on farm time hours <laughs> farm hours <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I do. I keep the straw hat and a little piece of hay in my mouth and I'm just, I'm out by eight o'clock. Yeah. 
That's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I can't believe I forgot to tell you all about I'll tell you all about that. That's not, you know, something I want to do on here, but I'll tell you all about it. She would have bored you to sleep. I would tell you that. <laughs> yeah, if you are hang at eight, she would have sent you right on over. <laughs> like your melatonin. <laughs> Yeah. What did she did she have the kind of voice like uh, I don't know if we mentioned that in any other podcast but we um you know we have mentioned that we use that app called Viber where we can leave each other voice messages and and kind of give each other ideas and things if we don't have time to talk on the phone and more than once I've sent over a, a message to AT about you know maybe eight nine sometimes even more minutes long and she's like girl I had to listen to that message like three times you just lulled me right to sleep with your little voice. <laughs> I told you, I said, I have certain things that I go to sleep to. Like I listen to the thunder or the rain. I said, I'm going to start, have to add you to that list. <laughs> Not in a bad way. It's just your voice was so calming and soothing. And, you know, so I'm listening. It's so monotone and I'm listening. And next thing you know, I'm like, shit. I'm <laughs> voice wasn't we- like it, was, it was really that uh, I just felt like there was no there's no character to her content kind of thing, but mm-hmm. she didn't have a monotone voice. It just like her delivery was kind of weak, you know? So I yeah. mean, I feel like for her to have it so late at night, I mean, cause I was tuned in, I was there I, for her to have it that late at night. I feel like she should have amped it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, we was all, I'm sure that we were all trying to fall asleep, but <laughs> anyway. well, I, I thought, um, I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know how I would, put this in later but i thought maybe what we should say that brought up this this whole topic uh that we were originally starting to talk about with the dylan's experience and your all's experience is that i was watching i was watching gray's anatomy and i'm not gonna give any spoilers to anybody that watches gray's anatomy i'm many seasons behind where gray's anatomy is but um there was a scene where um one of the women a prominent uh, uh character in the show had to and she's she's a black woman her husband is a black woman her son is a black boy and she had to sit him down her son and her husband they set their boy down and they had a conversation with him about how you know when because you're a black boy because you're a black male you need to follow some different rules than your your white friends you ever get pulled over by the police you you know you don't laugh and joke if they're mouthing off you don't mouth off you you know, you need to hold yourself at a higher standard. You need to act differently. And and this is why. And they went into a whole spiel about it. And I, I felt so like I, I contacted AT and I'm like, look, I feel so ignorant because I never thought about this. Like this was a specific, I mean, I've heard my friends say being pulled over by the cops is different for me. You don't understand. And I've never claimed to understand, but I never really thought about like actually having to sit down and talk to your kids about, Hey, because of the color of your skin, this is how you got to act if you want to stay alive. And so that was kind of how this topic started. And then she wanted to have Dylan on here to share that, uh, his experience with what he had gone through, where it sounds like racially profiled, I assume. Yeah. And um, I, when you sent me that message, I was like, we've had that conversation with our son. That exact same thing that you saw on TV, it's real life. Like we did it with our child, you know, it's, kind of crazy so yeah I think it's important to share um different situations that have directly happened to you so it's not just something that you're seeing on tv or that you are getting from the media um so I'm just going to hand the mic over to Dylan so he can share his experience and what happened to him Long pause. <laughs> you go. He's trying to grab my phone. I'm, I'm shaking my head no. And he's like, look at me like, why? Because if the screen, like the way that I hold it, if it's going to blow out, see how it does that? Yeah. It will cut you off. Okay. And he's looking at me like, give me the phone. <laughs> what is happening right now? It's okay. We, we had to listen to welcome to pod. welcome to pod. <laughs> welcome to our train wreck we're so glad you joined us yeah. <laughs> woo, woo. Oh, <laughs> okay uh i i can't remember all the full details like uh like i'd want to you know that, that's just me i have don't have the best memory for 
as I can, I'm gonna tell it as best as to, I can remember. Uh, so yeah, I work on the road. I do industrial construction, building power plants and stuff like that. And it kind of takes me in these random, just rural areas in the middle of nowhere in some places. And this particular job, I was in working in Bruton, Alabama. And to get there off the highway, it's about a 20 minute or so, 25 minute drive through just back country roads, dark country roads, where there's nothing but, you know, woods and some houses kind of scattered about, you know, nothing too, nothing too busy. And uh, this night, uh, it was late. I was probably, I really don't remember the time, maybe 11 or so or later. I don't remember, but it was dark and I was going down this road. Nobody else around. I couldn't see headlights or nothing anywhere. And I had to make this one turn. So I, I made the turn and started driving along. And a minute or so after I made that turn, I saw blue lights. Behind, I saw headlights and blue lights behind me. And I'm like, what in the world is this for? Because I didn't see me doing anything wrong. So they pulled me over. I was in like this. It was a grass parking lot of this tiny little church on the side of this little back road. And they pulled me over and they said, you know why I stopped you? I was like, I really don't. And I was like, well, you didn't make, you didn't turn on your turn signal at that turn back there. And I'm like, I made a comment like, who was I supposed to be signaling to? Because I didn't see anybody else around. And so you always have to make that turn on your turn signal every time you make a turn. I'm like, well, okay. So he gets my license registration, does his check. And he's coming back. He's like, do you mind if I get my, uh, I don't remember what he said, but his, his associate or whatever, another cop to come and uh, check your vehicle. I was like, is it necessary? I, I don't, you know, I don't have time for you to be checking my vehicle. Like it's late. I got to get up early. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm driving in town to go to this job over here. I'm coming from home. And he saw that it was in the Atlanta area. What well, he said, you're coming from like the Atlanta area. I said, yeah. Um, I live in Lawrenceville. He saw my, you know, my driver's license and everything. But um, and he, I was like, "Is it really necessary?" He's like, "We'll just have the the dog come and you know go around your vehicle." So there's a lot of drug trafficking coming from that area. I guess he profiled me because I have dreadlocks, and for some reason, people seem to think I do drugs, which is so far from the truth. <laughs> I've been haven't done anything in a very, very long time, about 20 years or so. Anyway, uh, so he's like, well, can you step out of the vehicle? And me, being, like I said, having dreadlocks and being mixed, I am hesitant to get out of the vehicle at any time when there's a cop involved, just because this is after the whole reign of terror year where so many people were getting shot and killed and, you know, from, by cops all over the country. You know, and um, so he's like, do you have any weapons on you? I said, I have a pocket knife in my left pocket. And um, he took that out, you know, and held. he's like, I'm holding on to the uh, to this for right now. Like, that's fine. You know, but uh, but let me backtrack. So whenever I know that whenever I have to whenever I get pulled over by a cop, whenever they pull me over, I had to turn, I turn off the car, turn off the vehicle. I put the keys on the dash and I put my hands on, on the steering wheel so they can see all my movements. So they can't say that I'm trying to reach for anything at any time. So at that point I had my license and my registration in my hand as he walked up and my hands on the steering wheel. So he's talking to me. I keep my hands there the whole time, no movements. And I had to, once I gave him that registration, everything and license, he, he, he did his thing and came back. So uh, he gets me out of the vehicle you know, I slowly reach for my door to open it up. I get out, you know, and I put my hands on the vehicle and I, uh, you know, he does a little search, you know, for kind of first me, make sure I don't have anything else on me after I told him I had my pocket knife. And uh, the other guy is there. The other guy is there very fast. Like he was in the area already. And he, he get the canine unit guy. So he gets out there. They, he walks me over to his car. And has the guy with the canine walk around my vehicle. And he's slowly walking. He's like tapping stuff on the vehicle, you know, like to kind of trigger the dog to see if he's going to do anything, if he smells anything. Like 
where your uh where your tires are and whatnot because they try to you know people hide drugs and smuggle stuff in there but he walks around once and he takes a step back after he doesn't find anything and he sits there and just keeps looking at my vehicle and he shakes his head and he goes around and does the whole same thing the same places he taps all over again and it's like for he just seemed like he could not believe like you sure you don't have anything here i'm like yeah, that I don't have anything in here or anything on me. He's like, do you mind if we go through it? I was like, you just have the dog go around it. They don't smell anything. You know, I'd like to go. So after going back and forth like this a few times, you know, he's like, all right, well, here's your license registration. He uh, had ripped slash broke my driver's license. And I was like, you broke my license, man. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it was like that when you gave it. Like, it was not like that when you gave it to me. He's like, well, uh, there's, you can file a complaint or something. Like, I, I can't remember. Like I said, I can't remember all the details, you know. But uh, eventually after this, I was there with them probably a good half hour, 20 minutes to a half hour after all of this. Like I said, I had to get up early in the morning. I was tired. I was tired. It was late, you know. But for some reason, they just could not believe that I didn't have anything on me, you know, and, and I was actually very lucky at this point, you know, cause they could have planted something in there. If I, if they had searched, they might've tried to plant something there. You see it time and time again, you hear about it time and time again. And I just, I, fortunately I, I was, I was one of the lucky ones. I, kinda, I got away, you know, but I know not to, not to be smart with them, be rude. You know, the only thing, I was kind of rude about it. I was like, is it really necessary? Like you just searched my vehicle. You just searched the area with the dog and he didn't find anything, you know, but, uh, so it was either the next day or the day after that, you know, uh, where AT was working at, they got information so I could find out where, where their office was, it was actually pretty far away from where they pulled me over at. And, uh, they, he kept my pocket knife. I had to go there and get my pocket knife back. And I, I had to, write out a written complaint on a piece of uh, computer paper. They pulled out the computer paper. Like they didn't even have like a formal complaint sheet to write on. <laughs> so I had to write my statement down on this piece of paper. So who knows if anything ever got done to those guys or they even got a, a firm talking to, or, you know, but they just, the whole time they were just kind of snooty and thinking like, this is unbelievable. There's no way this guy is clean. You know, they just, Get profiling me. So, <clears throat> can you share how you felt? What, like, how did it make you feel when it was happening? And how did you, you know, when after a certain situation happens and you sit back and you think and you take it all in, because it's kind of hard for you to take it all in in the moment when you think back on the situation, you know, do you feel like it affected you in any way? Oh, I mean, of course it did. You know, I, it it kind of solidified all the things that I already knew. You know, it, it hadn't happened to me like that before. You know, I've, I've been pulled over several times and I feel like they were, you know, rude to me for no reason, you know, but, uh, you know, that, that kind of solidified all my thoughts of everything, what's going on and letting people know, like, how they got to pretty much control themselves in a situation like that. You know, and it, it, it angered me, you know, like I'm the type of guy who all I do is go to work and I come home and I take care of my family and I don't go out and do anything illegal or obnoxious to get myself in trouble. I, you know, I follow the rules and it doesn't matter what you've done or how you act or even who you are as a person, just because of the color of your skin they decide that they want to want to mess with you or they think that something's wrong. There's no way that you can be educated or there's no way that you can never have any kind of record from any kind of criminal activity in your life. So it is, it angers me. It frustrates me. It, it exhausts me. I'm tired of seeing the world like this. And let me tell you <clears throat> one of, my worst fears as a wife with him on the road, which he, he hasn't been on the road for a few years. We're, we're so thankful. Um, 
of him going to these areas because usually when he he goes to these areas he's leaving home like you said and you know he tries to spend as much time with us as possible before he has to go where he needs to go so he's traveling late in the you know in the middle of the night and you would think that that wouldn't be a big deal but it really is because things like that happen you know in these rural areas um and it's always been a worse fear of mine uh, um so when I got the phone call, he told me everything that happened. I literally, I think I took it worse than he did. I fell apart. I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, the next day when I went to work, all I could do was cry. I just, I, I couldn't. I felt like m one of my worst fears almost came to fruition and all I could do was cry. And I was so um, heartbroken that he even had to go through that. And, um, you know, I was thankful that, you know, maybe there was a reason why I broke down like I did while I was at work. But um, one of the people were able to, the it, small world, uh, her nephew is a state trooper in um alabama so dylan didn't really know exactly where he got pulled over he didn't know uh the exact area of where he had to try and find where his knife was um because that was your grandfather's knife right no that was, it wasn't no, it was not, not that one um so i end up saying something to her and she's like well my nephew is a state trooper give me Dylan's information and I'm going to have him look everything up and I'll tell, I'll let you know, you know what he finds. So she comes back to me and she says, um, we found everything in the system. We know where he got pulled over. She told me when she told me everything and, um, told us where his knife was, where he could go and get it. And, you know, then he went down and got it and filed the complaint or whatever, but it's just, um, When it happens to you or the people that you love and it happens to your, you know, it's right in our house, you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's scary. It, it's reality and it's scary. So it's not just Grey's Anatomy. It's not just social media. Like it's real life. Like it happens. And um, I'm not sure if Dylan was a white boy a white man, if that would, that situation would have went the same. No, he didn't get shot. Yes, they did let him go, but were they a little extreme because he didn't use his turn? No, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to, uh, to guess on something that I wasn't around for, but when you tell me that story, the first thing I think is if I was driving and I didn't use my turn signal, I mean, maybe, maybe they would have pulled me over to give me a hard time. Maybe if they just really wanted to give a ticket to somebody, they were bored or whatever the case may be, maybe, but would they have made me get out of my car? Would they have, you know, called the dogs in? No, I, I, 100%, I can assure you they wouldn't have. And they wouldn't have had their hand on their gun the whole time. Yeah. Dylan you know was what, like, that, oh, Dylan was like, Dylan was telling me he's like I, I kept watching them and I kept watching them have their hand on their gun and and you know and, and every time I looked over their hand it, that's it's just it's traumatizing yeah I'm standing there with my arms crossed <laughs> when when you said that when you were talking about it about getting out of the car um it made me remember I'm glad you said that because I would have forgotten I got pulled over one time because I had these little blue lights on my wheels and, you know, on my, on my rims. And when, um, you know, when I would drive, they would come on and they would flash like blue. So I got pulled over because that was illegal in my state. And the, uh, the cop, you know, was walking around to look at them. And he asked me a question. Well, I couldn't hear him because he was crouched down looking at my, at my wheels. And I said, what? And I opened my door to get out. Now I'm like 18. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to get out of the car. I didn't, you know, I, I just didn't know. Nobody had ever, again, not a conversation anybody ever had with me. Not to say they shouldn't have said, hey, if you ever get pulled over, stay in your car. But it was nothing that my parents ever felt like they had to sit me down and say, this is what you have to do if you get pulled over. 
Um, so I went to get out of the car and he jumped up and screamed for me to get in the car and shut the door, shut the door now. But never once did I feel like he, he didn't grab a gun. He didn't point anything at me. I mean, he might've put his hand on his gun at that point out of habit. I, I can't even remember. It was really dark, but either way, had it been a different situation, had it been one of my friends that had, had gotten out, you know, being an 18 year old boy with darker skin than mine, I think it would have gone down differently even back then. Right. I, I know um, when I was dating this guy and we were coming back from Philly, they, we got pulled over. And I'm going to tell you when I was, this is like my young, my, I would say teenage years. Um, no, not older, you know, older, but like I'm saying my young adult, I was a trash bucket. Okay. Like my, I, I mean, you name it. It was in my car. I'm, I'm talking about rappers, shoes, deodorant. I mean, at any point in time, I could have stayed anywhere and I could have rounded up something. I could have rounded up a whole outfit, probably even a meal. You know, I, <laughs> my car was a trash. Literally, it was disgusting. Um, we were coming back from Philly and we get pulled over and we get pulled over by a Virginia state trooper. And he tells us that he asks us where we're, where we're coming from. And we tell him that we're coming from Philly, ask him where we're going. We tell him where we're going. And so he tells us that we were, I was speeding. That's why he pulled me over. Um, and so he asked me uh, if we could search the car. He had to bring a female officer in because he was male. So they frisked the guy that I was with. They frisked me, you know, everything. And then they tell me that they want to search the car. And well, they did the same thing, Dylan. They brought the dogs in and then they want to search the car again. My car looked like the city dump in, in the back seat, in the trunk. I mean, so I'm like, go ahead if you want. To. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you've been warned, like, go ahead if you want to. But they did all of that to us as well. Um, and, you know, they end up let us go. And the reason why they told us that they did that is because they said it was around 4th of July that a lot of fireworks come from Philly. Really? I, Illegal fireworks, I'm sorry. But really just from Philly? Yeah. I, I mean, just lame, lame reasons to do what, what, what they need to do, you know, but... Um, yeah. yeah I mean, we've been pulled over a few times, you know, together or separate uh, for speeding. And the only time it was out of state was uh, we went to Tennessee. And that was probably one of the nicest cops I've ever had pull us over. I mean, he was no nonsense. He was just like, you know, you're getting a ticket. <laughs> you were speeding. But I've never and, and I don't I mean, my husband, I think, has once or no, you know what? More than once, more than once, he actually has been made to get out of the car and, and be searched uh, and, and have his car searched. But that's never been anything that's happened when I've been with him. And that's never been anything that's happened to me. Yeah, I, I was going to say something. I forgot. <laughs> oh, it happens to us all the time. <laughs> yeah, but they, they make stories or reasons why they say they, they pull you over or they want to search you. They do it all the time. You know, and people, it's only been recently, you know, that we've had these phones and cameras that people are able to record these things that are going on. It's been going on forever, you know, but just now we're, we're able to, people are able to see it and show it more often. So they're thinking like, this is what's going on. All these p cops are doing all these bad things. They've been doing this stuff forever, particularly yeah, to black and Latino people. You know, they, they do it to white people, too. Don't get me wrong. Well, it, they get away a lot more with it. They, they had been getting away with it a lot more with black and Latino people. Finding just some random reason to shoot and kill somebody. It's crazy. It's terrifying. It's, I mean, it's good that at least it's getting out there, but it's awful that it even had to be a thing that had to get out there. Or it still is. That's what I should say. It still is a thing even in 2020. Yeah. They, we just watched a video earlier where they arrested this six year old girl at a school because she was acting out. 
I, I saw that. I didn't see the video. I saw the article about that. Well, she was crying. But that was black administration, black cops, and a black child. So they're just all ignorant son of a bitches. Like, are you serious? And they didn't alert the mom because under the law, they didn't have to until after she was taken. Ah, that's yeah. what I was asking Dylan. I said, did somebody call their mom? Did somebody give any this uh, give this chance to come get this girl? Like, where is because I'm telling you what I would have flipped that motherfucker upside down. Do you understand me? Yeah, this that, girl recording, she is crying and she's like, help me, help me, please. No, 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 please don't put the handcuffs. Please give me a second chance. Please. Like, what? Yeah. Literally, wow. All they had to do if they really wanted to get the kid to act right was maybe bring the cop there just to kind of act like he's going to. Kid, kids of that age are going to believe it. They're going to be freaked out. They're not. She's not going to do it anymore. It's just an yeah. abuse of power is what it is. Yeah. It's an abuse of power. Constantly. I didn't I didn't read the entire article. Um I I start, well maybe I did. I can't honestly remember now. Um but I remember like it was it was from the mom. The mom had gone to the news uh sources and had said, you know, this is what happened. Like they didn't even call me. They took my kid and then they called me afterward. And it was, she was raised in hell and they were like, look, this is state law. We don't have to call you. So that law needs to change. No law, no police should be called on a six year old child without the parent being involved. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you're 15, 16, it's probably a little more extreme. But man, unless they got an Uzi, if they got an Uzi, then, you know, you know, trap that bitch. But yeah, as a little kid, they still believe in girls, you know. I mean, come on. Well, it makes you go back to like the Central Park Five. You know, the youngest kid there, he was what was was he ten? He was uh, ten. I don't remember their ages. They were young teenagers for sure, like thirteen. And they 14. wouldn't they wouldn't let the parents. They asked for their parents. I want my mom. I want my mom. And even the mom showed up, and they wouldn't let her in until the kids wrote their statements. Like it, it was completely fucked up. Yeah, that is completely against the law I, I don't believe that at all that's 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 allowed i don't think that's right it doesn't make sense i feel like and mm-hmm. in, in america as a whole they need to come with come up with a new um interviewing process uh a new background process a new um training process because i feel like Whatever is implemented right now is not working for the greater good. I'm talking about for the whole. I feel like we and maybe it, maybe that might be media push that we are only seeing the bad part because I know there's good out there. I, I know that for a fact, but we have to train and educate these people who are put in these positions of power to understand that you can't use your power that way. You, it just can't be done that way. And I feel like without education and training that it will continue to, we'll continue to see things like this. Like what in that man's mind thought that it was okay to put handcuffs and arrest a six-year-old girl. Yeah. Yeah. They just walked her out. Like, why was that okay? Like Dylan said, he said, if they wanted to even be that extreme, they could have brought the cop in just to scare the little girl. And and then, you know, until her mom got there, like, Hey, you know, whatever you're doing, it, you know, it can't stop. Like, you know, you could get arrested, you know, I don't know what they should have said. I'm not trained in that, but somebody should be able to train these people to handle a situation better than that. You cannot, you cannot say that you see this situation and it's not an abuse of power when these are grown ass people with a six year old little girl. They could just sit on her and stop her from whatever she's doing. You know, I mean, literally. So it's like, do you need to go to the extreme? I mean, what they have done now, that girl's going to have therapy for. That was a traumatic situation from her. I don't know what's going to come of it. 
I don't know if she's going to now have a fear of cops. Maybe she has a fear of anybody in a place of authority because she feels like they're going to harm her or do something to her. I mean, there's so many things that can take place after this to what they did to the six-year-old little girl. So it's not just what happened in that day, in that moment. It goes beyond that. Yeah. I never think of the consequences of their actions. Never. Who they're going to hurt, how it's going to affect them for years to come. Because it goes back to that, well, that's not my job. My job is to, you know, right the wrong right now. Your job as a parent was to have not ever let your kid act that way or to fix it after it's done. Like, that's not my job. I did my job. Like, I feel like that's that's just what you see nowadays. Yeah, and and, it, and what it makes me feel like, and it breaks my heart, is that Dylan just pulled this up. Um, it says that, for, to be a part of the police academy, that the training is about six months. And six months of training, and afterwards you have a six months to a year of probationary. So you're like a you're you're a cop, but you're still under a probationary period where you're still you're having to shadow someone basically. Yeah, you're a beat cop at that point. I think six months of training, like that length of training, I think that's a great time bracket. But what are you being taught? in that six months that's what i would like to know what is the content and and i mean because i would imagine it would be like as if you were a doctor first you need to go through the educational part and then you need to have hands-on training that's a probationary period so in the six months it's all educational training yeah you can it says you can still be rejected due to bad performance but you got to go undergo a lot of physical training, build your physique and endurance, teach how to use guns, how to treat suspects, and a whole lot more. So you're trained for, your, for those six months. But after that six months, and you have your probationary period, after that, you don't have any continuing training. They have to have, they need to have classes on how to, how to talk to people, how to treat people, put them in situations where it's going to be very uncomfortable and scary situations so they don't freak out and also they should still have them doing uh physical training and physique training how many huge fat cops do you see how are they going to chase everybody yeah. i wanted i wanted to say that so bad i was like okay physique training but and i'm not, I'm not even trying to be funny like you see some cops that, that come out and they are extremely obese. And I think, well, if you needed to save my life, could you? Yeah. No, they won't be able to. They, they can't chase after somebody. How could many you times chase you after them? Do you, could you, could you give me CPR for 10 minutes? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. I'm talking and you're talking. Go. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I, I'm still not used to it. <laughs> yeah. They're just, it, well, if you guys are away. They're just going to shoot them. Well, and, and, could could you give me like I was I was trying to say could you give me CPR for ten minutes like if I needed CPR would you have the the capability physically to give me CPR if you're of that heavy of a person could you could you physically do it for that long because that shit is taxing. Yeah, probably probably not. They're just gonna call somebody. And you know, as uh, even before they get to the educational and the physical training, I feel like maybe they feel like it's not that necessary, but. I think that it is, you know, how, when you get, um, I've had friends who have, um, applied for the FBI and they do very extensive background. They go and they check with your neighbors that you used to live by. They check with your friends. Um, I, I was a reference for somebody who did this. Uh, they ask you to write letters. They, they want to do a phone interview with you. Um, they want to check your social media. And let me tell you why all of that's important. Because I can do a background check on you and I can see, oh, no, you've never been arrested or no, you, um, you don't have a record. But what does that tell me about your character? What does that tell me what kind of person you are? Because ultimately, when you are a police officer, you are supposed to care for the community. And the community comes in all different shades of people, okay? Mm -hmm. So the reason why they are so intense when it comes to the FBI is they want to know who you are, what your background is, 
Who are the people that you had in your life? What do you have on your social media? All those things tell who you are and pretty much how you've lived your life. So all those things are, I think it's extremely important. And I think that they should do that with the police officers. I really think they should go that deep because you could go surface deep and not see maybe that person was a part of the KKK, you know, 10 years ago. And yes, change. So I get, you know, the other side, but maybe that's something you want to take into consideration when you're taking somebody who's dealing with the diversified public, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. It, it does. I, you're going to go back though to funding, you know, because in the end they're funded, you know, they're not, they're not a uh, paid for, I mean, they're paid for by the state and why well, don't, I guess I should say the state cops are paid for by the state. I don't know. I probably shouldn't make opinions on that since I'm not really sure, but I think I'm not making excuses for it, but I think the FBI is better funded because they're getting into more intricate details. They have, you know, different specialties and the police force is not as funded for, for such a diverse, it should be, but it's not as funded for such a diverse type of training. Right. I would love to see that change because I'm a, I'm a numbers person. And when it comes to the bottom line, maybe if we take that funding and um, also do it to not just FBI, but police departments, maybe you can save money on lawsuits. Yeah. No, that's true. You know, that oftentimes the, you won't hear about a lot of the lawsuits because it's, it's big business better to like, you know, working for a big company, I learned that uh, if someone was going to sue us, it was really rare that we would even go to court. We would usually just pay them out because having to go to court, we couldn't just take one lawyer. We had to take our entire team of lawyers. So for us going to court was going to cost us say $20,000 a day, you know, because we had 15 or 20 lawyers that were going to go with us and they were going to go every day. So that's what we were going to pay out. Or, you know, Bob over here that's suing us for $7,000. It's just easier to sweep it under the rug, pay him, make him think that he essentially won, you know, that we were too scared to go after him. And then he usually doesn't make a fuss, you know, because he's happy. He got his money. He signed his papers that said, I'm not going to go to the media. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. So how many of those are, you know, just swept under the rug because it was easier to pay somebody just to keep them quiet. I mean, I don't know how many people I saw in the 10 years I worked there that got paid out for different things, you know, minor things. But to them, it was it was a huge deal for them. It was minor for the company. And then they, you know, they never made a fuss about it. It was nobody else that wasn't privy to what was going on at the time. Nobody knew anything about it. So how many times has that happened with how people are treated by law enforcement or any other going up the chain um, where it swept under the rug because, hey, they paid me off and it was I, I needed my money. I needed to pay my bills. I couldn't afford to go to court. And, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um I think that it is really important to be proactive instead of reactive. Um, I think it's important for Black people and people of minority color, teach your children, teach them. It doesn't matter if you don't think it's going to happen to them or not. Teach them, take them aside, explain to them that what's happening, explain to them how you can try to prevent it. You know, there's certain things that you could do, like Dylan said, he'll he'll turn off the ignition. He'll put his hands up on on the steering wheel. You know, these are things that you can do to try and make sure that it doesn't go that way. Um, but it's, it's important to talk about it. it it's reality, something that should be swept underneath the rug. Um, and like I said, talk about the situations, work it out be proactive instead of reactive because you don't want to start thinking about all the things that you should have done after the fact, figure mm -hmm. it out before you get there and, and, or it gets to that point. So you don't have to try and think about, well, I should have done this and I should have done that. Try it and, and just, you know, be proactive and it's really important. And that day that 
Dylan and I sat down with our son and we had that conversation. It was a very uncomfortable conversation. It's not a conversation that any of us wanted to have. And I could tell that it made my son feel uncomfortable. But you know what? I'd rather him be uncomfortable than dead. Yeah. You know, something I didn't think of until you started talking, and I, I won't keep us going much longer, so it sounds like we're trying to wrap up, but um, was imagine if, what if I had adopted a child? What if I had adopted a child and he was Hispanic or he was black or he was mixed? What, he's not a white child. And I have to, or say my husband, who is also white, has to sit him down and say, look, when I get pulled over by the cops, this is how I'm treated. But when you get pulled over, like, can you even imagine how much I would fuck a kid up to just be like, well... You know, I want to be just like you, dad. I want to, you know, but now you're telling me that I can't even act like you. I can't even emulate you because you're white and I'm glad I'm still your son. You know, well, why can't like, I hadn't even I hadn't even gotten to that point yet, which I'm sure other people would obviously had already gotten there. But that that's just as bad, too. And being a, a white family would would you think to sit your kid down and, you know, your adopted child down and let them know? I don't I don't. I would think not. <clears throat> um, and I'm only speaking that way because I we have friends who are white and who have adopted a black child. And there are certain conversations and things that we have that I know that she's not aware of. And that's why I think it's really important for you to surround yourself with people who don't just look like you. You need to have a diverse group of friends because guess what? There's going to be times where you may not, uh, you may not think so, but us educating each other, it, it, it takes a village. When they say that it's, it's not just a statement. It's true. It takes a village. So I know that there's certain times where I will, she will ask me things that she's not sure of. And I will explain it to her from my perspective, of course, um, but give her a little bit more insight to her African-American daughter that she's raising that she's, she's white. And, mm -hmm. and no matter, we are all the race, we are all one race, we are all the human, we are the human race, but reality is that how my friend was brought up and how she was raised in her white family and her white culture, even though she's raising this child up in her family and in the only culture that she knows, there's still going to be times where her actual African-American culture comes into play and it matters. And I appreciate the fact that when she doesn't understand or there's something that she wants to have more insight on that she doesn't let her pride get the best of her and she'll pick up the phone and she'll say, Hey, I need your help with this. Or I need your opinion with this. Um, Cause I mean, sometimes you just don't know, you know, we don't know everything. We don't know everything as a parent. We don't know everything as an adult. We just don't know everything as a human being. And sometimes mm -hmm. we, we need to reach out, but I don't think that that's something that you would, I would think that the answer to that question would be no. I don't think that that's something that you would think of as white parents to teach your black child. Yeah. So um yeah I'm glad that you were able to come on today and you know tell your story you're so cute <laughs> um, <laughs> he is he's so cute um to tell your story because I think it's different when I tell your story and you tell your story it means more from you because it happened to you and I know of course I was so much more emotional than you were but just because you're my baby and I love you <laughs> yeah yeah that it really jacked me up i i literally was at the next i was at work the next day just torn to pieces i you know and i and i just i think that the reason why i was so torn up mm -hmm. is because you know how you always think of what if mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is what, that's the part that got me you know that is the part that got me because i always worried about Dylan going to the and he works in more rural areas than not so I was always worried about him going to these areas and being these areas and having to work and live and function in these areas and so you know we made a conscious decision um was it like three or four years ago now it was after that job that the one that job yeah was yeah it's it's about three and a half years now. so about yeah about three and a half years ago after that 
And with the combination of, you know, we also have a, a child that was entering middle school. We were like, it's, this is done. This is it. Like he's coming off the road. We, we changed our whole entire lives to make sure that we could get it done. And because it was, we needed to have him back here. We needed to, um, we needed to be more secure. Um, and not saying that it can't happen here because it can still happen here. But the fact that he's like, oh, we're being proactive here instead of reactive. The fact that he's not traveling late during the night, the fact that he doesn't have to live in these rural areas, you know, all those factors make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. I didn't, I didn't want to, I try, I was trying not to interrupt. <laughs> now, like Dylan's looking at me and I can, I know that I can't see you, but I feel like you're looking at me too. And I'm like, <laughs> I I was I was I was waiting to see I was like let me let me not interrupt again (laughs) yeah well thank you Dylan for joining us today yes thanks for having me one day we're gonna get you and Rick on at the same time oh slick yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we'll uh we'll have to we'll do something more lighthearted next time so we can all just uh laugh at ridiculousness I think that'll be good yeah I think so too yeah, we can tell old stories or something. I really oh. like the uh, the the scare the ghost story uh, podcast. I'm big into ghost <laughs> stories. Yeah, he loves them so much. Yeah, we we can definitely we can definitely do that. And finding maybe we'll all have a you know a time where we find uh, different stories to tell each other. I think that would make for a fun podcast for all of us. So. Okay. Well, I can find some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> look, look at his eyes. His eyes suddenly brightened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time, Stacey Stace. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Hey, you guys. Just Stacy here. We had mentioned earlier in our podcast that we would give you our social media information, and we got sidetracked in our storytelling and forgot. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook at From Our Mouths. You can find us on Twitter at Our Mouths. You can find us on Instagram at From Our Mouths. And you can always email us at FromOurMouths at Yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you guys. And again, thank you so much for listening.